0: Hello, and welcome to Inside Retail, the podcast brought to you by Edited, the world's leader in retail intelligence. In this podcast series, we explore both the opportunities and the challenges that the retail industry is facing with myself, Grace Hill, Edited's Director of Retail Strategy. According to a recent report, Vestiaire Collective and BCG stated that the resale market is now worth between $100 and $120 billion more than three times the size it was three years ago. So unsurprisingly, resale is grabbing headlines with mass market leaders Sheehan and Zara making big bets in the pre-loved fashion market. We're also seeing resale impact the luxury space too, with The Real Real hoping to change size inclusivity challenges through a new partnership with luxury plus-size fashion retailer Eleven Honoré, who we've previously had on Inside Retail. However, Depop is synonymous with resale. The community-powered circular fashion marketplace, beloved by price and environmentally conscious Gen Z consumers, Depop is a vibrant platform that's transforming fashion one item at a time. Depop is a website and mobile app available in over 150 countries with over 26 million active users. Users can buy and sell clothing, accessories, beauty and lifestyle products. The key difference between Depop and other resale platforms is its user base and social media-like structure. About 90% of Depop users are under 26 years old. Depop has made itself known as the fashion marketplace of Gen Z. That's why today on the podcast, we're excited to be joined by Lizzie DeBrown, Lead of Strategic Inventory at Depop. We spoke to her about her team's role at the company, its importance to the commercial growth of the business, and the future of the resale market. We really hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. So hi, Lizzie. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. We've prepared some little icebreakers just to get us going. It's like our version of Vogue 73 questions. So Lizzie, what is your favourite pre-loved purchase?
1: My favourite pre-loved purchase is a piece of jewellery, actually. One of those that I'm wearing now.
0: And where did you find it?
1: I found it on Depop.
0: There we go. Yeah. And where is your, what's your favourite city to thrift in?
1: I think Amsterdam is good for thrifting. But then I think all my friends back home would disagree and say, no, you go to London for thrifting, especially when it comes to like jewellery.
0: And what's the first thing you do when you get to the office? So Deepop is
1: wonderfully, um, flexible in terms of office attendance. So most of the team normally tend to go in about two or three days a week, whenever it sort of suits them best. However, we always try to make an effort as a team to at least have one day of, um, face to face time. So on these days, if diaries allows, if there's no meetings, we just catch up in person. I'm normally quite organized with planning my diary, my to-do list. So once we've caught up, um, it's normally a hot drink, a breakfast snack, and then straight in. I must say though, we have a dog-friendly office. So there's always a dog or two that's waiting for a belly rub. So that's sometimes a little bit of a distraction.
0: Amazing. And what are you watching on TV right now? I've started watching The Watcher,
1: but my boyfriend is not really into it and I don't want to watch it on my own. So (laughs) it's three episodes in and it's sort of
0: paused there. And what metric would your co-workers say that you are obsessed with?
1: Picking one one metric will be hard, um, I think, because we do... What we do is quite broad and we touch on both the demand and the supply side of things. So I'm going to say GMV and sell through rate, uh, as I think these are both a good reflection of our inventory health and our positioning. um, And they touch on both the buyer and the seller side of what we do.
0: Interesting. And describe Depop in three words.
1: Circular fashion, inclusive, community.
0: So now that we know a little bit more about you, we would love to start off by you telling us a bit about your background in the industry and your role as lead strategic inventory on the commercial growth team at Depop.
1: Cool. So in terms of my background, it's a little bit mixed, although predominantly in fashion. But I think in terms of the jobs I've worked in previously, it's a good mixture of. So I worked in buying for a little bit for a Dutch multi-brand retailer. I then moved to G-Star in retail operations, looking after the G-Star branded stores in the UK and Ireland. I then moved into strategy consulting, so something quite different to the previous two companies. I was there for two years consulting specifically on projects within the retail space. After which I moved to eBay, where I guess sort of my, my passion and my interest for yeah. secondhand and resale was triggered. I was in the C2C team focusing on Lister growth. And then I moved to Marks & Spencer, again, quite a different role. I was essentially a business partner between the buying and merch departments, and then the research and analyst team and the insight team. And this is where I got to know Edited.
0: Amazing. And now
1: you're at Depop. And now I'm at Depop. I find, I think, I, f- I feel with, I don't know, at Depop, it seems to have come all together, if yeah. that makes sense, in terms of like there's that element of strategy, there's that element of insights, there's that element of like secondhand and resale. And I think it took me a little while, I guess, to find what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I think a role you can always sort of shape to how you want it to be. But I think company wise, that's much harder. And I think it's just such a nice experience to be with a company where you can just be yourself. And I don't know, I think that's always been like a very important one for me. Mm -hmm. And I haven't always Mm -hmm. found it with like the, the big sort of machines.
0: Tell us a little bit more about the strategic inventory team and why this is so important to Depop. So my team
1: is essentially responsible for driving our inventory. Um, so we are focused on really driving that flywheel of buying and selling and making sure that our users do either of those successfully or both. So we develop and we build the inventory proposition that includes proactively looking for strategic opportunities. Um, our plans are normally focused on not just a breadth of categories, but we also focus on styles and trends, as well as making sure we have a good representation of price points. Then at the same time, we also execute and deliver on those plans. And I guess in doing so, we are just constantly aware that we need to address both seller and buyer needs I think is reminding ourselves that our buyers will only come back to buy more if they successfully find what they're looking for. But equally, at the same time, our sellers will only continue to list more if they have a successful sale. And therefore, obviously, we need to make sure that our buyers find the products that they need. If I were to summarize in one sentence what we do, we empower what buyers see on and off side, uh, and we guide and influence sellers on what to sell.
0: Amazing. So connecting the users with the product that they're looking for on the site. Yes, indeed.
1: Um, And a big part of that is understanding how the resale landscape is moving and how the line between resale and traditional retail is essentially blurring um, and how that impacts the user experience. With the perception around secondhand changing and the audience growing, um, for us, it's about finding ways to tapping into that full potential, but also making sure that we continue to stand out from the competition. And then lastly, a big part of what we do is educating the wider business on anything inventory. So again, that being categories, trends, commercial price points, etc. I think for us, inventory is the common threat across everything we do. We have to make sure that we embed that direction that we set cross-functionally, just to make sure that we speak consistently about the same trends and categories across all our channels.
0: And why is that important?
1: I think it's external facing, but I think it's also internal facing. Like if we are trying to activate on certain certain projects or certain trends, it's just important that all the faces are in the right direction. CRM, paid PR. Any activation that touches on inventory, we sort of set that direction and make the recommendations.
0: So the team would come to you almost for guidance of, you know, do we have the inventory to support campaigns or you would recommend supporting campaigns based on signals that you're seeing within the business and also externally on what would be the right trends to back or to discuss as a business and also from a commercial perspective? Exactly. And I think we touched on it a
1: little bit already, but we're a fairly... We're a fairly new team.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think
1: a lot of the work we've done so far has been super foundational. So it's like building that bank of inventory insights, making sure you've got the tools in place, but also making sure that when we talk about fashion, it lands in the business in a way it should. So I think the beauty about Depop is the fact that team-wise, company-wide, it's an amazing mixture of people with different backgrounds and different different experience and also having worked in different industries, but it also means not everyone has like a core fashion background. So one of the things we also do is making sure that we bring in the fashion element into the business.
0: I guess that's part of the personality and the brand as well of Depop and what it's known for. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious from like a category management perspective, Like, is the team broken out by kind of key areas that it focuses on or are you looking at the inventory position holistically? So we are a
1: pretty lean team and we have to be smart, uh, especially when it comes to execution. But as mentioned before, with the landscape evolving and secondhand essentially becoming more mainstream, um, but also making sure that we still cater for a core audience. We are mindful that there's multiple buckets of opportunities, both from an audience and product point of view. And that as a result, shopper needs and journeys vary Mm -hmm. some of them are a little bit more inspirational uh, others are more transactional so that's certainly something we adapt to when we're making our plans Um, geographically we of course also see some differences or the largest markets for us are the us the uk and australia and we have offices in london and new york with the teams working across both these offices. So we have on-the-ground expertise. I'm also fortunate enough to have someone with Australia-specific expertise. So where we can, we build the plans and those strategies specific to those markets.
0: So how... Um Are you reviewing inventory position through a customer segment lens? I know you've just mentioned that importance of having that regional focus as well within the business
1: we're trying to tap into a wider audience, and historically deep up, you know we've been super gen Z focused that's still ninety yeah. like percent of our of our users are under the age of twenty six by a mile. They are the largest segment. I think now, as we're looking to address a more mainstream audience, I guess the way we try to approach it is more, not necessarily from like a set customer segmentation point of view, Mm. but it's more like a mindset. Essentially, Mm. anyone who's interested in exploring their style, we consider sort of within our target audience.
0: And do you see, you know, I guess, based on the information that you have internally, trends differing by customer types or brands performing differently by customer types.
1: We do and we don't. Again, like it's a super hot topic at the moment because it's it's something we really try to get a grip on almost. Sure. But I think with, you know, we've got thousands of brands and we've got thousands of price points, as well as, you know, we we have every single category and subcategory across fashion. It's really hard to quantify what product or what listing we we would say sure. qualifies for like someone a little bit more mainstream or someone that's after something a little bit more unique just because very often wardrobes are a mixture of sure so it's it's a hot topic but i have to admit we haven't quite Neil the answer.
0: Yeah. I guess there's so many variables, as you said. And I think it's quite interesting when I was obviously researching and Depop where it does have such a huge Gen Z audience, which so many brands would love to have. I'd love to get also your perspective on size inclusivity as well and how you see that play out from an inventory position and perspective at the business.
1: It's a big one for us, right? Because yeah. inclusivity is sort of the core of a business. Actually, over the last three to six months, we've done an awful lot of work on, on understanding the opportunity around mid-size and plus size. One of the challenges for us is the fact that we are completely dependent On what our users, what our sellers essentially list. Sure. But not necessarily what they choose to list. Also the way they choose it to list. Okay. As in like the way they tag their items or they describe their items. And therefore sometimes it's harder for us to surface that inventory. So the inventory might be there. But we can't necessarily quickly identify it. So we've we've done quite a bit of work around educating sellers as well, like explaining why we think there's a big opportunity from a, a supply point of view. Again, True. like we're addressing where we see supply gaps, but also making sure that when they list it, they list it in the right way that people who are after like a midsize or a plus size will be able to find it quicker.
0: Yeah. Out of curiosity, like what, what would that look like? What are the ways that would help kind of surface that type of product on the site?
1: In the backend side of things, we we have a curation tool, obviously, that we normally use when we manually create anything you see appear mm-hmm. in app. And by that, we can search on size, for example, we can search on hashtags and descriptions. So that normally is a good starting point. Mm-hmm. But again, people can choose to list something that's Plus size, but try to sell it as an oversized, if that makes uh, sense. So,
0: interesting. Yeah. Hadn't thought of that. That makes sense. Cause maybe they're thinking they've got a wider audience if they're going for an oversized product versus a plus size For product. example. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it was interesting in the news recently about the real, real partnering with Eleven Honore because of the primary fashion market being less size inclusive. So they're trying to kind of plug that gap and support that through working in partnership. So it feels like there is such opportunity in resale in, in plus.
1: It It is. And I must say, I've, I've been talking about a little bit how we do it from an inventory point of view, but at the same time, mm. we, I think as a business, whatever we do across the channel, so either that being in app with edited picks that we select or, in our marketing materials, we always want to make sure that we have a good balance of, mm-hmm. you know, size inclusivity. So it's definitely something that we, Monitor and track in the back end as well,
0: we were just discussing obviously the impact on a uh, plus product available on the platform through the community. so what is the community 's impact on the inventory on Depop's platform, and how are you managing that?
1: We consider ourselves a community led business like we like to say that people come for the clothes, but they actually stay for the culture, so our community is is massively important. What we actively do is empowering the sellers with knowledge they need to list successfully and to sell successfully. So that's a number of things. So we either proactively provide them with inventory guidance and inventory recommendations. And that normally tends to be... A combination of things so that 's either you know calling out our biggest GMV drivers, calling out which almost on a retail calendar level which categories we expect sure. are going to be spiking in terms of sales and and uh, searches, but it's also incentivizing sellers to list in categories or areas where we feel we have an undersupply, mm-hmm. so that being free fees for example on plus size or free fees on menswear
0: um,
1: and then lastly, we also provide them with Almost like visual guidance, like mood boards. So if they, if they set out to go and source for specific trends, they have a very clear picture of like a style or an aesthetic when they set out to go and source. We try to actively empower them with Mm. like the knowledge and tools, but equally we, we also have very open channels with like a really loyal group of, of high volume sellers. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a seller growth team that are in touch with, with, some of those sellers on a daily basis. So we also just listen a lot to what they tell sure. us. And we definitely see trends created by sellers sort of emerging on a platform. So I think the, um, the workwear jackets is like a really good example, right? Those American car hard jackets, yeah. we saw them spiking on on Depop as far back as like 2015, two, 2016. So it's that's wow. almost like a trend that they sort of like pushed pushed for us, if yeah. that makes sense.
0: Like, all, like that's the the kind of the, the genesis of a lot of these trends is these these sellers and what they're seeing and like their, I guess, trend now and importance within the industry and how they've able to impact that on a kind of a wider and more macro scale as well. Absolutely. And how are you identifying those kind of undersupplied trends? Is it through searches on site that aren't translating into sale or how are you how are you able to make that connection through data that you have? So we
1: we use a number of things. We look at internal data, indeed, mm-hmm. and we normally tend to take a historic view as well. So if we know in winter certain categories speak, but we see leading up to winter that we are not there from a supply point of view yet, that's obviously a category that we call out. But we also look at surges internally because simply only going by sold items or sales we don't think is giving us a completely rounded view of of how we should approach it but on top of that i think this is one of the biggest changes with with um our team kicking off their work for us it's really around building like a 360 view when it comes to inventory I think historically, yes, we would go by internal data, but again, we just feel like as the market is changing and the lines between, you know, traditional resellers and traditional retailers is blurring. Yeah. I think it's really important that we have an understanding of what's happening throughout the market. People in my team and I, I speak so highly of them. I, they're wonderful and they're so clued up to what's happening within the industry and they, they genuinely live and breathe fashion and trends, what we do is essentially just, just offering like a full view of like internal data, desk research, edited, what we see happening with the competition. Mm -hmm. And then also just the, the, I don't want to say just, it's more than that, but the team's expertise.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I guess at the end of the day, so many businesses are run on their internal data fundamentally, and it's having that full 360 view that you mentioned to really understand what does the customer really want and how can we drive that commercial growth that's so important to to deep up,
1: yeah, and again, more so when we're when we're trying to like build out our audience, mm. and and I guess touching on users or potential users that historically haven't necessarily been our audience, I sure. think it's just really important that you have a a
0: full grip. That leads me nicely on to my next question: is about planning and identifying trends from an inventory perspective. So, what are the the challenges that that you face?
1: I think a challenge, which at the same time might be an opportunity, is that. Things move so quickly, especially mm. on Depop. Yeah. And sometimes we, sometimes we see trends bubble on Depop weeks before we see them bubbling elsewhere. I think the challenge for us is really understanding if an opportunity. Again, like given that you know inventory to some extent is out of our control, but if an opportunity really is big enough. To go after, either that being like a red carpet moment or a Mm -hmm. sports event. Sometimes it's quite hard to understand if it will be long lasting enough for us to go after as a business. Again, also because we need to take into consideration a time to source for sellers. Mm. So what we try to do or what we actually do very regularly is that we come together cross-functionally and we talk, we just spend like an hour talking about trends and movements within the market and things we've seen, pop culture or wherever that is. We then identify a number of opportunities. We talk about them and we take them. And we then decide as a team, okay, what do we think is the relevance for Mm Depop? Like how big is the opportunity? And realistically, how reasonable is it that we can go after this trend? And then we make a decision there and then If we go after that particular opportunity or if we build on an activation at the back of what we see. Mm
0: -hmm. And when you say go after it, it's like through your CRM team activations, like a whole host of different activities and initiatives internally.
1: As a team, we own a number of project modules in the app. Okay, So that means if we have like something that's super ad hoc, we can jump onto that quite quickly with, for example, like, a curated space talking about a specific trend or a specific development.
0: Okay. So you could create that space if there was a key sporting moment or, you know, a a micro trend that you had seen surface, you would be able to kind of create that. We'll manually curate and almost like mirror that trend. Mm -hmm. Is it like, a? is my understanding like a shop within a shop almost that like a, a space within the platform?
1: So there's a module um, called the Depop Edits, okay. which is refreshed daily, but it's all manually created, And we okay. try to play into that module in different ways. So either that being like a really commercial approach, but often they're very much tied to to trends.
0: One thing I did want to ask you, which came to mind as we were just talking, was the concept of like leading and lagging metrics. And obviously where you were talking about like, is this an opportunity we really should go after? And actually that Feeling of like, okay, has that moment passed, and actually, do we move on, and is there something that we should be focusing on that maybe is an event that we know is coming up that we'd focus our time and resource on versus something that maybe is past.
1: So we try to approach it both reactively and proactively. So again, like cross-functionally, I think this is the beauty um, of DevOps. Like we're so collaborative and so cross-functional. So as much as we discuss about things we have seen Mm -hmm. the week or the week before, we also map our own cultural calendar or like a calendar that includes cultural moments and retail moments. Mm-hmm. And we, on an ongoing basis, we take that calendar, look at sort of like what's coming up
0: and sure. then try to
1: play into it. When we saw the first sort of images of the Barbie film, right? Yes, yeah. The Margot Robbie. And exactly. When those Brian outfits looks. started to like appear in the press. I mean, not us, but everyone saw it. We, you know, you there was definitely a, a grown interest in in Barbiecore. It's what triggered it essentially. And again, like it's something that was quite long lasting. Equally, at the same time, we also see very specific things like Hellfire shirts at the back of Stranger Things, for example. Um, but they're a little bit more niche yeah. and a, like a little bit smaller. So, what we do do in the background is almost take note of those examples and then try to see how that's moving in terms of like interest and demand and search on our side. And what we try to do, we get to a point where we want to be able to recognize certain patterns. We're not quite there yet because again, like the variety of of those different examples is so broad, but it's definitely something that we're very actively thinking about
0: it's almost tracking it to see if it's like a snowball effect and if it's like growing in prevalence and maybe it's not so specific and niche and it's actually grown in terms of a theme.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And also, especially with like the Stranger Things example, right? You could, you could set yourself up for like, if a new season would be launched. So it's just trying to be like really proactive and quite clever about those things.
0: Again, I think it just speaks really nicely to the like, putting the consumer and the customer at the center of that, like what's going on in their life? What are those key mm-hmm. moments? What are they going to be thinking about and actually preempting that as well? Um, You've mentioned barbecue. Um, I'd love to know, are there, you know, the other impacts of pop culture or any examples of subcultures that you've seen influence the business recently?
1: I think in general, trends that tend to do quite well on depop. Mm-hmm. I feel like trends that organically align quite well with the audience. So for example, Gorpcore has been incredibly strong for us, I think for a number of reasons. So for example, there's been some really cool streetwear and Gorpcore brands collaborations, which again, mm-hmm. like automatically plays into our audience, but also it's a trend that's that's linked to some of the more classic styles that were already popular on Depot. So like a North Uh, North Face Puffer Jacket, for example, we've seen since August, we've seen that spike, whereas as a category or as a product, that item was already so popular. So to see that sort of even going up more is really interesting.
0: One thing we're also curious about is do you see trends seen at high street brands have an influence or impact the inventory at Depop?
1: This is, again, something we talk about internally a lot. Like personally, I think High street will always play a role in, in defining trends. Um, I think even if you don't necessarily buy off the high street yourself, you will still get to some extent inspired by it, either directly or indirectly. When we're, we're thinking about like a wider audience, I think it's also that understanding that inspiration now comes from many different places, including the high streets in terms of seeing something. From the high streets trending on Depop, there will be a bit of a lag because people would buy it ideally to wear it themselves before they sell it along. Um, but I think Depop to many is a place where they, they explore and they play with their style. So what we offer essentially is a su- sustainable version of what you can see in the high street. So, mm-hmm maybe you wouldn't necessarily find and you could, but maybe even if you don't find that Zara dress or that urban outfit to stop, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that if you go on Depop, you can't mimic that style, if that makes sense. So one thing that we deliver on a quality basis is something that we refer to as fashion themes. And I don't think it's very far off of how traditional retailers will go about designing their collection. But essentially, we'll start with cultural context and macro trends to then understand and break those down into micro trends. Um, we then map those back to to certain categories or so categories that historically spike for us or any categories or styles that we feel are um, particularly relevant for that trend. And we built that out into i'm saying we but the team build that out in those in the most amazing looking mood boards in a way that it's very gi- digestible for mm-hmm. everyone in the business mm-hmm. so and and when we do that we try to almost like cater for the full spectrum it starts with like something super inspirational and then we run it down to a version that's far more sort of like relatable and accessible
0: so i think that leads me nicely onto the future of resale and where do you see It really going um, because it's undeniable that resale has been grabbing headlines recently.
1: So I think we're all making the same observations, right? Around brands launching their own resale platforms. And the industry is constantly evolving and and the rise of more resale players is obviously something that's happening. I think it's something we only celebrate. I think at Deepop we we like to think that we've paved the way for this. For me, seeing some of those in particular fast fashion retailers launch their own platforms comes as no surprise. I think mm-hmm. I can only imagine that, you know, many of them as a result would have seen to some extent dense in their profits for the simple reason mm-hmm. that, you know, Depop and, and and other resale platforms are sort of extending the life cycle of their fast sure. fashion collections. Again, the stigma around resale has changed completely, has been removed almost I think the, the pandemic to some extent has accelerated it. People would have start trying resell for the first time just sure. by means of killing a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. I think values around sustainability have changed. Traditional thrift stores have closed down. So there's a number of things I guess that have accelerated that development. I think I think the point I'm trying to make yeah. is that it comes to no surprise that this is happening and again in a way we welcome it and we embrace it. We haven't seen any immediate impact to our Mm -hmm. business as just yet. I think we haven't been able to recognize any patterns to like say that it has or it it won't or it will impact the business. It's definitely something we we're monitoring sort of quite closely. Like I'm Mm -hmm. curious to see how 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 it's going to develop.
0: Yeah. I think it's amazing when you're saying about like obviously celebrating it because I think it only just speaks to the fact that it is very much like the work that you've done to pave the way for resale and it's so top of mind for so many consumers. The fact that these brands want to and invest in that just shows the opportunity that they've seen uh, through the work that you guys have all done. Um, I think the only question that I haven't touched on specifically, but I feel like you have answered it, is the importance of data when you manage your inventory position. I feel like we captured quite a lot earlier, but if you have anything more to say, I'd love you to share it if you do.
1: Data is is super important for us as as it allows us to, to paint a clear picture of what's happening both internally and externally. It's very important for us to, to understand what's happening elsewhere, either that being from an assortment mix point of view or pricing strategies. On top of that, I think us being a fairly new team and f- fairly new in what we do and and regardless of the amazing talent within my team i think having data to back our hypotheses and assumptions really helps us to build that little bit of confidence when we speak mm-hmm. to the business but also when we speak to sellers i always want to go back to that flywheel that we spoke about right if if inventory is completely out of your control i think healthy inventory levels are massively important. And again, like it's 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 the data side of things that really, really helps us to understand the position of where we are yeah. with our supply and demand. And I think it's for us it's almost about like positioning ourselves or raising our, our profiles as inventory experts. It's not, it might sound a little bit cheesy, but that's that's really what we're oh, trying to do yeah. here, right? Again, like speaking about it confidently to to other stakeholders across the business, but also being able to confidently provide sellers with the knowledge and the insights that they need.
0: One question we ask all of our guests is what is the one thing you would love our listeners to take away from this episode?
1: What's the one thing yes. I would like listeners to take away? I think on the topic of inventory and defining your inventory proposition, I think there's a lot more to it than just data, but it's also more than a feeling or mm-hmm. having awareness of. I think it's it's all about connecting with and understanding your audience but on like a very authentic level if that makes sense yeah. and you know, we take insights like as broadly as that is right so that's either data that's desk research that's reports we get from edited we take all of that to to get to that point
0: Lizzie thank you so much for coming on it has been such a pleasure to have you and been so interesting to hear more about you and, and your role at Depop so thank you so much thank you so much for having me Huge thanks to today's guest, Lizzie DeBrown, Lead of Strategic Inventory at Depop. If you've liked what you've heard today, please head to edited.com and check out our recent sustainability edit report. I'm Grace Hill, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.